Welcome to this edition of the Tomahawk Show. I'm your co-host, Joe Thomas. With me, as always, NFD and my co-host, Mr. Andrew Hawkins. Today we got an awesome show here, but first, don't forget to subscribe. Hashtag Tomahawk on social media. Make sure you rate five star and hit our Reddit page up at Tomahawk Show. Programming notes, of course, next week we'll actually have my career extravaganza episode. And we're really looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. We put a phone line out there where fans can call in (laughs) and leave a voicemail for good, for bad, or for ugly. Hopefully a lot of ugly. And we're going to play a bunch of them. We're going to cut them up and we're going to have live reactions from sports figures all over the world. So coming up on this show. Today we got Joe's retirement day. We got the LeBron hug heard around the world. We talk about uh, the all Joe Browns team of all the best players he's had since he's been in Cleveland. Tomahawk holidays. We talk about the Jets trade. And of course, as always, Tomahawk Q&A. Back to the the extravaganza episode note. Listen, if, if fans want to call in and leave a voicemail for next week's episode where we give Joe his proper podcast send off, you can call at 216-928-7300. That's 216-928-7300. The funnier the message, the more likely you will get on the episode. So keep that in mind. All right. Well, let's just get right into it. Joe had his retirement the other day, his press conference. We were all there, saw Hawk illegally streaming it. <laughs> Joe, how do you think everything went? I thought it, I thought it went really well, uh, other than the fact that my children tried to ruin it for everyone by uh, going absolutely crazy. I they didn't ruin that. They made the was, I thought everything was pretty good. I thought it was fun. Um, I tried to have a lot of fun with it, try to throw as many jokes in there as, as I possibly could. Best so, retirement speech ever. I, yeah, you know, with going into the retirement speech, my thought was, how many retirement speeches have you saw that are sappy and they're boring and you cry? Yeah, it's emotional. Right. But like nobody actually enjoys themselves. And I was <laughs> thinking to myself, let's make this fun. Let, yes. Let's make sure that we're reflecting on my last 11 years, but let's also laugh about it a little bit. Let's have some fun. Make sure that if somebody's tuning in that is not a Browns fan, is not a Joe Thomas fan, they can at least have some laughs and enjoy what they're watching. Are those, do those kind of people exist? <laughs> That's a great point, Andrew. Those people <laughs> don't exist. Everyone's a Browns fan. Exactly. And even more, everyone's a Tomahawk fan. Of course. And we got a Tomahawk shout-out in the retirement speech. Which we was, did. Which was... Obvious, because that's why everyone showed up in the first place. They just wanted to hear the announcement. You should have said, I was, I'm was. i taking my talents to Tomahawk. <laughs> I'm taking my That talent. would have set the retirement speech into a different stratosphere. Hawk, if you were writing my speech, maybe we could have put that in there. You but unfortunately, what? we had NFT helping me, and uh, it turned into a disaster. You don't pay enough. <laughs> yeah, he, so he doesn't pay even enough. Even Dan only gave you half of his good jokes. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about later on. Well, how did your day go? What, what did you do for the rest of the day? So you left the, the press conference. And then we've seen you on literally every TV show, <laughs> network, um, event, game for the rest of the, the So it was hours. crazy. I'm glad you mentioned that. I did Saturday Night Live that night. I yes. did Jay Leno. And then I was able wild. to fly over and do Letterman all <laughs> uh, after the fact that those shows are not on anymore. And you were the seventh man for the cast. Yes. And then I threw down 40 and 10 and 10, <laughs> just like LeBron did last night. It was a wild so, game. No, seriously, though, it was a great day. It was one of those days I will remember Till the day I die. I got up. I got a great workout in in the morning. Uh-huh. I pumped the legs out. I, I got a little upper body pump. Felt pretty good. Went home. Had lunch with my agent. We kind of talked through some things. Oh, that's a sad um, day for him, man. Yeah, so I made sure to, to <sighs> ring up the tab one more time <laughs> on my agent's credit card. <laughs> well, that last time before I'm actually officially on my own. And then... Jeez, uh, oh, man, I feel for him. He's gonna miss that. <laughs> I'm going to miss that paycheck. So what percent, what percent do agents normally get? So they're allowed 3%. to get a three percent max, and most guys, I would say, pay between one and a half and two and a half, maybe three percent. That's such a like. So what's two percent of thirteen million? Yeah, that's such a first like a, a lottery pick statement. Most guys pay three percent. Okay, most guys pay three percent. Uh, no, the big money guys, which is maybe fifteen to twenty percent of the league, pay less than three percent. Everybody else. That agent's coming for all three. <laughs> okay. So, well, let's let's be honest. Let's say you're a minimum salary guy, which yes. most guys in the NFL are minimum salary. So, mm-hmm. as a rookie, it's what four hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, around that. It might be so three percent of that, that is twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the agent. So, if you're considering how much a lawyer charges and how much a time an agent is going to spend on you and your contract, it's probably about s- the same. Is he going to spend that much time on it? 
I guess I was never a minimum guy. So, and so my me, relationship with my agent was always really strong. We spent a lot of time together. We talked about a lot of football stuff. He guided me on a lot of things. So we spent a lot of hours. Now, yeah, I made a lot more money than minimum during my career. Yes. So it was easy for him to spend that 122 time. One hundred and twenty-two million, to be exact. <laughs> uh, not exactly that much, but uh, but anyway, I seen it on Twitter. It has to be true. It has to be true. Yeah, it's on the internet. But thank you. Um, but no, seriously, uh, an agent that has a guy that's a minimum guy probably mm-hmm. doesn't have the incentive to spend as much time because he's not getting as much of a pay from him. But you'd hope that an agent is uh, a good agent and that he's an upstanding individual and he's going to spend just as much money on uh, or as much time on the NFD as he is on the Peyton Manning. Yeah, doubtful. Wait, I don't but like that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's my thing though. Like if you're if you're drafted, okay, let's say you're a fifth round draft pick. Right, you get your signing bonus. Now it's slotted, so it's pretty much you look at the last year and you say, okay, give me seven more thousand dollars than what the guy got last year, and then you're locked into a contract for four years. What is there for the agents to do? If if I'm a receiver and I go out there and drop passes for four years, or I just play special teams, what is there for the agents to do except collect his three percent every year that the check comes in? Well, I think if you have a crappy agent, that's mm-hmm. probably what he's going to do. He might call you the day that you get your check so that he can make sure you got yeah. his bill. Hey, here's the invoice. Yeah, make sure Hope you get that bill. Well. I'm just checking in on you. How are you doing? Oh, by the way, uh, you should be looking for an invoice pretty soon. Okay. So uh, but no, seriously. If you're a good agent, what would you let, do? Let me tell you what I think a good agent should be doing for the player. He should be checking in on him at least once every couple weeks to a month, if nothing else, with wow. just a text message. Yeah. He should be saying, how's everything going? He should be updating on you on – Based your performance as it's seen throughout the league. Uh-huh. Of course, you have your position coaches and your coaches that are telling you how you're doing. But a lot of times, especially when you play for teams like the Patriots and guys like that, that you never really know where you actually stand within the organization. Yeah. You need somebody on the outside who's talking to those scouts and those general managers across the league and informing you of where your value is, how you're playing, those type of things. I think that's an important role of the agent. I think another important role of the agent is helping you navigate the hurdles of going from a completely broke college kid that the NCAA mandates you can't get any money. Uh, so you have $0, and of course when you have $0, you have zero money problems. Because <laughs> more money, more problems. You, Biggie you, said that. You, when, you're in, when you're in college, they pay for your room and board, and that's that's it, right? They, yep. They're paying for you to stay alive, essentially, yes. and that's the minimum. Don't die. So we they're, can, they're like, so you don't can die of life. starvation or exposure, and then you can play on Saturdays for the team. Exactly. So all of a sudden now you're in the NFL, and you're making – good money or great money depending on who you are and now you have those associated money problems whether it be family or financial helping you kind of navigate those waters helping you learn to say no to certain people Mm -hmm. helping you navigate uh some of the media stuff now uh PR person for the NFL team is going to help you with a lot of that media stuff, but specifically leading up to the draft and leading up to free agency, Uh it's important for you to do the right type of media engagement things so that you're pumping your stock up as you're getting into free agency, right? So uh, Kirk Cousins, for example, right? Everyone knew Uh he was the number one guy, but it was important for him to be managed properly, to put the right articles out there to get the right things being said in the media about him, to kind of keep his status wow. where it is as free agency approaches. This is amazing me right now. Now go ahead. Now let, let me hear you what are you like, think about you it. You are the football equivalent of the kid who is like, yeah, in the summers what you do is you go on your dad's yacht, you barbecue, <laughs> and then if you want to visit your, your cousins over in Nantucket, you take your <laughs> private jet, because that is not reality. That might be, you just gave us the Joe Thomas career <laughs> transition program that only six people will benefit from who are listening to this show and in college, the top six picks, because I can promise you that All is right. not how it goes. Perfect. Let me tell you how this, this goes. All right. You get drafted later, you're an undrafted guy. The agent barely calls you because he doesn't know if you're going to make the team. <laughs> you go to a team where he might have another player who is in the same position, and that guy is taller. Um, so he's going to <laughs> pump him up more than you because he thinks he has a better chance of sticking. You stick. The other guy doesn't. He calls and says, wow, that was a surprise. How about it? Can't believe you made the team. So now you're on the team for four years. Nothing happens because you barely make the team, and every year the team tries to cut you, but you still continue to stick around. Your agent is excited, like, wow, this is a lot of more money than I thought I'd get from you. And, and yet you keep going. Um, there is no one around the league who gives a sh- shit enough to call your agent and tell you how good you are or how you're doing or wow, what your prospects is in free agency. Free agency comes around. You barely get tended by your team. It's one of those deals where, eh, 
he's here, so until we get somebody else, we'll, we'll keep him around. A couple other teams that might who are really good in scouting might say, dude, this guy can be good if we do this, 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 and this. That happens. Now, all of a sudden, you're making money. The calls come a little more frequent than before, but even still, there's not much to do after that. So it's like if I go out there and I drop a bunch of passes again or if I'm only playing special teams, he can't create a market that isn't there and he can't hurt a market that is there. So if you play well, you'll make money. If you don't, you won't. For me, an agent, I don't really care that you call and ask me how I am, how my family is. Now, I say that more of the industry because, again, me and my agent who, you know, it's weird. I think our agents have the same last name. My agent's name is Craig Schaefer. Yours is Peter Schaefer. But my agent is like an incredible guy. He's one of those guys who never chase like the big guy because he like actually loves being an agent. He thinks it's cool to be a part of the process. He works his butt off. He's just like me. And we are like incredible friends. But I really don't care if my agent would ever like ask me how my family is doing. I don't care if you – I really don't want your football expertise because I don't think it's there. You know, I don't think you can tell me anything in the football aspect. And maybe it's just me because I'm such a student of the game. You can't call and tell me anything about football that I, I don't already know. My perception is honestly just how I played. Like you'll know if you're – especially in the day of Twitter, you know if you're good or not. You know if you're playing bad or not. It's, it's out there in the public. So to me, an agent just – is the guy that takes 3% to look over the legality of the uh, the contract <laughs> that another team tells you they're going to give you. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to get you any more money. He's not going to be like people like, oh, I need an agent to get me drafted. An agent isn't going to get you drafted higher. If you run slow, you are going to go dead last. If you run fast and have great film, you're going to be a high draft pick. There's really nothing an agent can do to change that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's one thing that uh, is a misconception. An agent's not going to get you paid. And he's not going to get you drafted. Right. You get yourself drafted. You get yourself paid. The agent just helps kind of facilitate the contract, the framework, yes. the the comings and the goings before you get signed, right after you get signed, those type of things. I would predict that, and, and, and your agent is like a legendary agent. He's like one of the guys. He's been like, around a long time. He's, he's not, a big, not a big office, but he had Barry Sanders and Jerome yes. Bettis and Willie Rofe. He's had a lot of guys. Exactly. From, he's had top guys. Years. You're not even you're not even his first Hall of Fame rodeo here, Joe. Not, not let's, even close. Let's be honest. But I, I would imagine client through his whole career i don't know barry Sanders seems pretty easy too he was pretty easy till he decided to retire a year yeah, after he signed a up. new huge deal Actually, and peter and- was like wait a second dude we just signed like the biggest running back contract in history and you're yeah. seriously retiring i take that back him and him and barry probably aren't on speaking terms but as it pertains to you i i also could have called you and said hey teams love you out there man you're, <laughs> Joe, you're playing really well you're doing really well I yeah. asked them what they thought about the seven Pro Bowls in a row. <laughs> <laughs> they liked it. So keep that up, and uh, we'll talk more in March. Yeah. Keep playing every play. You're doing really good. <laughs> yeah. no, it's funny. They especially like the fact that you never are out. So keep that up. <laughs> keep the pancakes up and never letting up sacks. Those three things are really good to focus on, Joe. You know, it's funny that as a receiver you have a different perception of things because I think as offensive linemen we don't have stats obviously you know you have your pro bowls and your all pros and things like that but we don't have stats and when I was coming into free agency social media was pretty young and I wasn't on any of it so it was and and pro football focus wasn't really a thing back then. right so it was much more difficult to kind of judge your worth Um, and so as an offensive lineman a lot of us have this self image problem like yeah. we all think we suck you know <laughs> uh, to a man every offensive lineman that I've known that's been good has al- always had this th- thought that they suck yeah and, and until you get your own day until all of a you sudden suck until there's a they give you a, a holiday a national yeah. holiday where you don't have to go to work and you're like well maybe I was <laughs> better than I thought but uh here's an honest story about the value of an agent to me personally and uh, like you said it doesn't go for everybody but just to me personally so my fourth season in the NFL I had just finished my fourth, going into my fifth, sorry. We're in training camp. It was my last year of my contract. The Browns had been talking to me throughout the offseason on a new deal. And in my mind, I was looking at Debrickashaw Ferguson, who had just signed an extension the year before. I think he was making 9 or $10 million a year. And I looked at that going, oh, my God, that's the greatest money I've ever seen and I could ever imagine for myself (laughs) – I don't want a cent more than that. That's all I need. Like, I'm not even worth that much. So <laughs> if they offer me that, I'm going to take it in a second. 
But my agent was there to help me understand, like, look, that's not where the market is for your services right now. They value you much higher. We can not only beat DeBrickshaw Ferguson's deal, but we can beat it by 20%. Mm. And he said, let's look back at other tackles that are in your class, in your, in your, qual- in your caliber, 10 years ago and what they did to the market. So we looked up Walter Jones. We looked up Jonathan Ogden's contract. Yeah. And we looked at who the highest paid guys were in their year and then how much they beat those contracts by. And that was sort of the starting point for our negotiations. So he was able to get me 20% more than I thought I was worth and what I would have accepted had I not had an agent at the time. Because he was able to say, you are way undervaluing what you're worth to this team. And so he was able to help me in that regard. And I'll give you another example, Alex Mack. He was a guy that did not have an agent. Yeah. As a rookie, because really? for all those reasons that you mentioned, right. because he said the rookie deals are slotted. I'm just going to hire uh, uh, an agent, but he's going to just work for me on an hourly basis like yep. a lawyer does on my contract. And I'll deal with the rest of the stuff myself. Right. Uh-huh. So he hired uh, a very well-known agent out of California. Um and he did his rookie deal, got a great contract, had no issues whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But then when it came time for him to f- hit free agency, he actually hired that same guy to be his full-time agent to give him, him like 2 or 2.5% two or uh-huh. th- maybe 3% of his new contract because he had the same issues that I did yeah. where he didn't value himself properly and he just thought he wasn't worth what he was worth to the teams. Right. And so he ended up ge- becoming the highest-paid center in the NFL making – way more money than he kind of had expected. So for him, the agent brought value above what he saw himself worth. Now, a receiver who, you know, chronically you guys yeah. all think you're way better than you really are. Right. And you got a guy like Odell Beckham saying, I want to make $20 million or whatever it is. Yes. Now, in that case, an agent might be the one that has to say, Odell, well, you're not quite worth as much as you think you you're are, fired. so accept this. And then he gets fired. Yes, get, get your shit and get out. <laughs> I want twenty million. Get me twenty yeah. million. One one last thing I will say about agents because we have beat it to death a little bit, but they also, when you have an agent on payroll, can serve as your attorney basically um, on call. So if you have any legal issues, any contract stuff from like the marketing side that are being yeah. brought to you, or any contract whatsoever, a good agent is going to also have a law degree and a law background, so he can help you navigate legal waters, and that should be some of the things that he can help you if- do. They will. For Joe Thomas, yes. For, I'm telling we laugh. No, I believe you. I, I'm I, telling I totally you, for 75% you. of them, they won't do it. Like, that's not, like, for instance, Alex Mack had a guy he was paying hourly, and he wouldn't give him the information about his value until he made him his agent. That's right. Now, that's good business on the agent's part, but. Well, it's a business for them, why too. Why wouldn't you tell me that anyway if I'm paying you hourly? Well, he'd put you on the clock. Yeah, I love it. I, I get it. It's good business. I'm not saying yeah. that, but I'm just saying, like, they're also, again, they're businessmen. Yeah. So for guys who are only, like you said, I want to say only, but $12,000 yeah. a year for a guy yeah. that you don't have to take any of the concussions, yeah. you don't get 3% of the concussions, you don't yeah. get 3% of the knee injuries, you don't get 3% of getting yelled at in the meeting for your phone going off, a story that we will get to here oh. today on the Tomahawk Show. If your phone goes off during the Tomahawk taping, it's a $500 fine, by the way. $500 fine. And that goes for Paul and NFT. Yes, And Joe should have been fined about 12 times by now already. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we are beating the agent thing to death. Let's let's get back to the retirement. anyway, Joe's retirement. (laughs) You went to the Cavs game, and it was an incredible moment, captured all over social media because of the star you are. Talk about that a little bit. Please, because I'm excited about to get to it. Yeah, I'm sure it was my star and, that really made it blow up on social media. And we're going to uh, we're going to give a rating of of the hug. Oh, the game. I like this. Right, so, a background for any of you folks that were living under a rock and are not a LeBron fan. At the game a couple days ago, I was announced during the first time out. I got a chance to go out on the floor, thank the fans, wave to the fans. They gave me a standing ovation. It was a very emotional moment, but. As my highlight started on the Jumbotron, it was during a TV timeout. LeBron saw it, and he turned and he ran cross-court because I was on the diagonal opposite side of the court from where their home bench was. Mm -hmm. And he turned and he jogged over, and he gave me the biggest bear hug for like five seconds uh, of all time. And he said some really nice things to me, and I probably fanboyed him a little bit into his (laughs) ear while he was hugging me. And I hugged him back. I love you, man. You are the king. You're my favorite. (laughs) Please pick me up and dunk me. (laughs) But anyways, 
I think I held on maybe a little too long to the hug, yeah, and he was not, like, "Hey, man, I got to get back to this game. <laughs> I, I know you love me and everything, and and I respect you, but uh, I got a game to play." He had to go elbows he, and push. Yeah, off. he actually bench pressed me. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a big, strong guy for the NBA, but he, you know, he probably doesn't bench four hundred pounds, but he tried to bench me four hundred pounds away from him. <laughs> so Joe went with one of his patented moves. He took his left arm, wrapped it all the way around him completely, like he was a defensive end, uh-huh. and you know, clearly hold. holding him. And then took his right arm and just started patting him and just would not let him go. <laughs> there was four or five back subs. pats. Yeah. Th- definitely my best move in football was the grab hold, but don't let the ref see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's what I did to LeBron. Pro. But now that you're retired, you let everybody see it. That's right. I, I just let it hang all out there. All the secrets came out. But in all honesty, that was like an incredible moment, man, especially for people that are like fans of Cleveland sports and have come up in here because, I mean, the, like you said, the, the whole crowd gave you a standing O and the fact that LeBron, who probably wouldn't – not probably. I know he wouldn't do that for a lot of people – comes over at a crucial time where he's like getting ready for a game to come acknowledge you. That's like an incredible moment for not only you, but us the fans who are, you know, fans of LeBron, the Cavs, you, um, and your greatness, man. It really is a testament to who you are. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Let me put this into perspective just briefly. When I was 12 or 13 years old, I got to see LeBron play in Las Vegas in the Adidas Big Time Tournament. We were Uh both in that tournament. He was on the cover of the media guide for the tournament, uh-huh. he was already being talked about as the next big thing back then when yeah. we were 13, 14. And he didn't disappoint watching him at that time. So I've been a fan of his since those days. Wow. And as I was on the court, this was totally unscripted. I didn't even think anybody knew that I was coming to the game until that point. Uh-huh. There was like one person that knew, and it was the Cavs PR director, Sarah Jamison. And so they put together the thank you thing. And then all of a sudden – I see LeBron jogging over, and once he got to half court, it's when it hit me that he's not like coming over to say hi to a fan. He's coming over to he was say hi to a big fan, fan. <laughs> the biggest, the fan. big fan, and give me a hug. It was an emotion that I will never forget the rest of my days on this earth because I instantly turned into that little fanboy from when I was like ten years old, just being a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks and the Green Bay Packers, and my eyes got as big as saucers and he ran over and I instantly forgot everything that was going on and I gave him that like ridiculously long bear hug, one like, arm over, one I arm never under want this to with, end. with the with the with the back pat. And I instantly go. was was lost in his eyes tonight. <laughs> That's amazing that uh, that he could have that effect, man. Like that's that's incredible, that's especially crazy. on a guy that is like great yeah. by like everybody's standards. Like just the fact that like two yeah. legends together—that's yeah. it's amazing. It's, man. it's that funny was very because cool I've been lucky during my eleven-year football career to meet a lot of really famous people, from uh-huh. actors to politicians to professional football players, basketball players. Obviously, yeah. being in the huddle with Peyton Manning at the Pro Bowls. Um, just rubbing elbows with people at the Super Bowls. Uh, I don't really get starstruck, but when he came over and, and wanted to show his respect during a game, that meant the world to me, and it yeah. was so emotional. Um, I actually, as soon as I got off the court, I was able to hold it together, and as soon as I got off the court, I kind of ducked behind under the bleachers, and I started crying That's because awesome, I was man. really overwhelmed with the moment. That's awesome. That's incredible, man. Golly. And Come then, back another year, Joe. <laughs> we got to do this again next year, man. <laughs> Let's do it again next game. Now, Tony Romo, they were going to let him suit up for the Mavericks. Did the Cavs any any talks there about getting you a, a uniform? I think the Cavs saw me limping onto the court, and they realized <laughs> that I don't even think I could do the layup lines with the Cavs at this point in my career. Yeah, you're out there moving like Ogaskis <laughs> does right now. I think we're good on that. Bad knees. All right. So another thing, we got Joe Thomas Day is official in Cleveland, seven three, July third, the day before. Uh, the 4th of July, obviously. That's Joe Thomas Day. How does it feel to have your own day? Wait, <laughs> that was really wait, wait, cool. Wait, wait. Before, how does it feel to join the club of incredible humans such as myself who have their own days? You have your own day. October, I want to hear about Andrew October, Hawkins. I want to hear Andrew October Hawkins 20th day. is Andrew Hawkins Day in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Really? My hometown. No kidding. Yes, I've so, had that for about five years. Are you the most famous person to come out of Johnstown? Um, let me think. There's got to be some other good athletes. Isn't TP from your area? He's from my area. His mom actually lives in my town, but TP is from like probably like an hour and a half uh, west of us. Uh, so he's not like a part of like my city. From my town, my older brother is is like has a day. My or he doesn't have a day, but my cousin has a day in uh, Vancouver. G. Roy Simon. Really? He is the all-time leading receiver in CFL history. No kidding. So he has a day in That's Vancouver. That's so cool. Yeah, but 
Yeah, I mean, 1020, man. So, you know, now that the Tomahawk, we both have our own days. Mark yeah. that down. Wow. Those will be two special dough day, uh, NFD, show days. NFD day is actually June 28th, just so you guys know. <laughs> June 28th. June 28th. Is that your birthday? <laughs> yeah, it's his birthday. <laughs> no day, Dan. Perfect. NDD. <laughs> so what's the significance of your date, 1020? There is no significance. I think it was they just, just like. They just picked the least important day on the calendar. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have day. nothing going on on the 20th. <laughs> The economy is so bad on We're October twenty. Like, twenty. That's a Monday nobody wants to go to work. <laughs> I think what it was is I think I had a bye week of like one of the years <laughs> in the league. So they were like, okay, he'll be here this he can get here this week. <laughs> Just make his day this day and oh, it will call it it. But Does but, they have like a parade? Are you riding on a float? You know what? No one really knows it exists. <laughs> I feel like there should be way more fanfare than there is from you to you. I seem the only person be the only person that celebrates it. I text my whole family and I tell them, Happy Andrew Hawkins Day. <laughs> I barely get text back. Well, in um, October, we are going to have a celebration yes. on the Tomahawk Show. We need Absolutely. to blow it up as well as 7 3. So that's what I was going to ask and you. And 628. <laughs> 628 obviously is before 7 3, so we'll celebrate that with a couple kitty cocktails for NFT. <laughs> but we need to have a special show on 7 3 to celebrate my new national holiday where nobody yes. has to go to work and everyone gets a pre party for the big day, America's birthday, July 4th. Yes. I agree. What what are, what are some of the rituals we can add into Joe Thomas Day? Oh man, I love it because we never talked about this, so this is totally off the cuff. Yeah, we got to do something that I think would be fun. Like, uh, we should have a tomahawk appreciation party on seven three. Like, I like bring it. the fans. Like, make it some type of a a way that you can get a ticket to the party, mm-hmm. and we can set up like a Mountain Dew pong for oh. Hawk, <laughs> and then for me and NFD, we'll language. just take like double shots and beer pong. <laughs> Kitty cocktails for Hawkins and all of his followers. Yes, all of my followers. All of my followers get kitty cocktails. We'll bring LeBron because obviously he's yeah, a big he's part not of seven three day. He wouldn't miss that. I don't think he's got anything going on then. When is the NBA championship? It's in June, so he'll be well, yeah, well rested by then. He, he's going to be ready for some beer pong by then. Yeah, it'll be like some a flip cup, a celebration of the season. Yeah, early, you know, Christmas in July yeah. kind of thing. So why yeah. don't you tweet at us locations where you think we should have the Tomahawk celebration? I like fans. that. Where where is the seven three, Joe Thomas Day Tomahawk celebration sponsored by Mountain Dew going to be held at <laughs> in 2018. I need the fans to, to chime in and let us know. That is incredible, though. You get your own day. It, it's pretty cool. And actually, obviously, I've, I've said this, but July 4th is a holiday I always love because it's usually a time that we go out to the lake. It's usually finally nice weather in Wisconsin by that time. It's uh-huh. at least in the 60s. So you can take your shirt off and jump in the lake. Uh, have some beers, get together with fan, fans and friends and family, and uh, cook some brats. That's what we always used to do on July 4th. So to be able to have a day before that where you can really pregame. So and you're just going to double it up. You're I'm going to double it you're up. You're going to double up all the We're going to need an IV stuff. on Joel Batonio Day on 7-5 just to recover from <laughs> two straight days of partying. But <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. I love it, man. I love it. My favorite part of the retirement speech is that you thanked all the O-linemen that you played with. Well, not all of them, but not a few all of them. them. <laughs> your, your favorite. And I'm, I'm glad – that my guy Dron Greco was in it. Another Toledo guy. Another Toledo guy. Yeah, he, he was well a big deserved. part of my career. He played with me for a long time. Yes. A lot of great years with him. Great player. He's one of those guys that is one of the most underrated linemen I think I've played with. I agree. What is he? 10, 11 years now. This is his eleventh season. That's and crazy. he's played great everywhere he's got, he goes, and he plays. He plays. He plays awesome. Great dance moves too. Great. He dance does moves. have good dance moves. It's not like the vanilla Italian. volcano. Yeah, not he's not a vanilla volcano. The vanilla like volcano me, never had a Super Bowl commercial. That's true. But Greco, he, you know, I think it's his Youngstown background, his his Italian roots. He just is, he's got swag. He's got swag that a vanilla volcano just doesn't have. Just can't do it. Well, speaking just, of guys you played with, SB Nation ranked all the quarterbacks you played with one through twenty. Uh, spoiler alert: They had Brian Hoyer first, Derek oh, Anderson second, okay. and Jake Delhomme third. Bruce okay. Gratkowski, if you're listening, you were 18. <laughs> was out of, he really? out of how many? Yes. Oh my god, out of 20. 20. That's probably better than he expected, being that his rating was a zero <laughs> that yeah. day. You could definitely make a case that he should have been 20, based <laughs> so, on that game. Bruce, so don't be mad at us. We want Joe to put on his GM hat here yes. and compile the All Joe team. All, all right. Joe, the team. the 11 like best it. offensive players you played with during your career with the Browns. Go ahead, Joe. This this team basically is. You have to be able to put 11 guys on the field that you think, okay, now that hindsight is, is upon us, you have to be able to figure out these are the 11 guys that I know can get the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs if we had them in their, in their I don't want to say prime. In their time with the Browns. In their time with the Browns. Yeah. You so can't obviously like prime. Jamal Lewis, he right. was a little bit better when he was with the Ravens and rushing exactly. for 2,000 yards a year. Exactly. But he still was good with the Browns. He rushed for 1,000 yards multiple times. Yes. Let's start it off there. Let's start with a running back, Joe. There are so many running backs to pick from. You don't want to start with the quarterback? No, let's get to that later. 
All right, we'll go quarterback last. You got some options here with Peyton Hillis, Jamal Lewis, Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell, Trent Richardson, Jerome Harrison. What personnel are we in? Because that that's important. Well, wait, no fullbacks on the list. I need three receivers. So no, let's go three receivers. We got two tight ends here, so we're in twelve personnel. Okay. So for those of you that aren't football guys, uh, that means one running back, uh, two receivers, two tight ends. Okay. So that's twelve personnel. So. Uh, the fullback is officially dead in our version of the All Joe team. <laughs> All right, so running back. What running back? So you going with? I'm actually going to say Duke Johnson, and I'm going to give you the why because not only is he good running back, he can do good things once you give him the ball. He runs the outside zone very well. He reads the power a gap out. For those of you that don't understand that, that means he's reading the guy that's over the center basically out. So he's finding that first hole from the inside of the play to the outside of the play. It's a guard pull from the backside play. It's the bread and butter of everybody's short yardage stuff. Um, Duke Johnson can play in the slot. Mm -hmm. So if you go to 11 personnel or if you go to 10 or any of those abstract personnels where you want to get him. I think we should go 11 personnel. Okay, 11. Because we'd have to remove a tight end here. I don't know because I don't think you can win with 12 personnel in today's league. And I'm also trying to lobby for getting a slot in there. And if I'm not the <laughs> slot in your 11-man team, there's going to be an issue. So, there will be no tomahawk. Tomorrow. So I got I got Duke as my running back. He's versatile. Okay. He can play running back. He can be split out. He can catch the ball. He can block on third down. Duke's my running back. I like it. So Let's, my left tackle, spoiler alert, it's myself. <laughs> okay. Left guard. Because anybody did it, nobody else played left tackle while no, you were Nobody here. else played left tackle. My okay. left guard, it was close between Joel Batonio and Eric Steinbach. But I'm going to go with Joel. I think uh, Joel is an outstanding, athletic, big, physical left guard. Yeah. Um, one of the best in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan thinks that Joel Petonio is the best guard he's ever seen. In the Was that serious or are you no, that's, joking? Yeah. I agree. Joel's awesome. I think I've, he's great. And he fits Kyle's that. scheme. Yeah, so that's like a, a big part of it. Exactly. He runs extremely well. He's very physical. He can bend. He's a great guard, especially in that outside zone scheme. Yeah. And I think Joel is very underrated. I mean, you picking him yeah. over Eric Steinbach will say yeah. a lot to Browns fans because everybody thinks very highly of Steinbach. Yeah, Steinbach when he, was here. he had a great, great player. Right. Steinbach It'll say a lot never Steinbach played too. in the outside zone scheme, so that's a little handicap on his part. Yep. But Eric was really good pulling. He was a very athletic guard. He was undersized. He played in the upper 280s, low 290s. Um, but he was a very good guard, but I do give Joel the edge. Center is Alex Mack. Center, Alex Mack. That's an easy one. Alex yep. is the best center of our generation. Yes. Wow. I agree. Right guard. Who we got a right guard? Right guard. We got a this, couple this options one here. Wow, this is, is a tough one, one of the tougher ones we've gotten to so far. I'm going to go with. Don't pick with your heart. Actually, this there, is what I'm going to say. A few options here before you go. John Greco, Ryan Tucker, Kevin Zeitler, Sean Laval. Let's be clear. All four of these people. guys listed were very good guards. Obviously, Kevin currently is the highest paid guard in the NFL or one of the highest paid. Yep. I played with Kevin in Cincinnati. Excellent guard. He's a meathead, too. Total meathead. He's Wisconsin a Wisconsin meathead. guy. Yes. He grew up like right <laughs> down the road from where I did. I remember him in high school. Same meathead he is right now. Real quick, Zeitler, Zeitler story really quick. Oh, we had like a, a guy come in. And I forget what it was that he was holding. It wasn't a phone book, but it was. It might have been like a partially ripped phone book or something. It was like one of those demonstrations where he gets like the strongest guy to come up, try to rip it, and then they don't do it. And then he shows like technique, gets it done, and then he rips it. So he pulls Zeitler up there like, hey, try to try to rip this in half. In one try, Zeitler. <laughs> He's like, I've, in 20 years of doing this, I've never had someone actually come up here and do it. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's so funny. Little had, Kevin Zeitler back We had a, the exact same thing happen here last year. So the Navy SEALs came in to Cleveland last year to work with the team. We did the log stuff, the log PT, the you know toughness stuff the push-ups everything uh-huh. you can see in navy seal training for like two hours uh-huh. we did that and then we did a lot of classroom stuff where you're kind of building the mental side of the game so one of the demonstrations they were going to do is they brought this little seal on stage he was like half your size hog, uh-huh. if you can believe that and then they brought up Seidler, right he <laughs> was like the biggest most meathead looking guy you can ever imagine and they duct taped their hands as you would see in like an interrogation on those movies, right? Uh-huh. You watch those Navy SEAL movies, they got them all duct taped up, right? So the, the point was there's a technique, exactly like you were saying, to getting out of <laughs> this type of duct tape hold, right? It's not just about being strong, right? Because most guys that they bring up there can't get out. Right. And they work with mostly professional and college football teams. Right. And so anyway, so they get Zeitler up there, they tape them all up, they get this little guy t- all taped up, and then they say, go. 
right? And they're expecting Kevin to knock it out. Well, in two seconds, Kevin just takes <laughs> his big meathead arms and rips the tape in half and is out. And and the, the little seal guy, he's showing that the technique is supposed to be you like hit it against your chest really hard. So like you're beating your hands against your chest as hard as you can, and you're twisting and pulling apart at the same time to try to rip that tape to try to get your hands out, right? Well, Kevin rips it out in two seconds <laughs> as this Navy SEAL is trying to rip it against his chest, and he gets it out like extremely fast. Four seconds, five seconds, but Kevin clearly beats him. Right. But it totally ruins their presentation <laughs> if they admit that Kevin beat the guy. Right. So they're all trying to give credit to the Navy SEAL for beating him, but everybody on the team is going, Zeidler beat you! Zeidler beat you! And that's my Kevin Zeidler meathead oh, story. Man. Gotta love the meathead. So, all right, so I mean, this is a tough one for so, you. Does I mean, the meathead like get the right guard? Zeitler versus Anyways. Greco, two of, your, uh, two of your guys. So I'm going to say, actually, Ryan Tucker's really good, and Sean Laval is a very good guard as well. He went to the Redskins in free agency after we had him here. So all of those guys would be great choices. But I'm actually going to go with John Greco on this one. I love it. And I think there's a bit of a bias because I did play with him so long. But I remember the years when Kyle was first here mm-hmm. and then the few years before that when John was the starter. John was a really, really good guard. I'm talking about if we we had a better team, he would have been in the Pro Bowl. And when I think about John, the thing that he almost did the best, and this is a f- football nuance, but when we ran the outside zone and he had a three technique, which is a defensive tackle that lines up on his outside shoulder, the hardest thing that those guys have to do is to be able to reach in the outside zone, going to his direction, reach the outside number of that defensive tackle. So they're trying to get their head outside of that defensive tackle to make him feel like he's being out-leveraged to get that guy to run to the sideline. Right. But you have to be able to do that without losing any ground into the backfield because you don't want to run into the running back's train. And then you also don't want to let him beat you to the inside. So you've got a lot of things going on there. It's the hardest thing that a guard does. Uh-huh. And Greco, the entire year – almost never was beat on that play, yeah. which is like the foundation of being able to run outside zone. It's right. being, able, being able to have a guard that can reach a three technique in that situation. He was so good at that. And he can play in every scheme. He can play in every scheme. He was really good as a power guy. He's really good as a zone guy. He's also really good in pass pro. He's played heavy. Like yeah. John is a big guy. Big like dude. he's played up to three forty, I think, at some, at some points in his career. But he can still move his feet pretty well. Yeah, and he's really good in pass protection. Good hands, good eyes. He can move his feet. He's a great player. He's my right guard. Yeah, and he's nasty on the field too. All right, so Greco wins it. Shout out to Toledo one more time. Right, right tackle. tackle is obviously biased from NFD who put the list together because there's only one <laughs> listed. And Mitchell, it's, it's Mitchell Schwartz. Schwartz. Is that who we're going with? So I would go with Mitchell. He's an all-pro I mean, he right tackle. Tony but yeah, Tony Pashos, another good option there. I think Mitchell gets it just a little bit uh, over Tony because his career has had more longevity um, since I've been in the league. Tony was older than me, so all right, so, we got <laughs> so it didn't count. So we got our running count. back. We got our whole O line. Now we got to go to tight end. And, and, and you know, we're not going to say the personnel. You just have to put a personnel together that you think is best on the field. So if you see the two tight ends. Hell, if you see three tight ends, put three tight ends in and one receiver. But whatever you do, just look at the tight ends and receivers, understanding you already have Duke in the backfield. So now you have what? How many guys left? Three? Four? Four guys between tight ends and receivers right. to put on the field. So, so we're starting this with is the interesting. Tight ends. Starting with the tight ends, I'm looking at the list. It's so, Kellen Winslow, Gary Barnage, Jordan Cameron, Ben Watson, Evan Moore, David Njoku. Njoku. Three of those guys made the Pro Bowl with the Browns. Ben Watson made it with the Patriots, and Njoku's got some in his future here. Yeah. So I think David's going to be a really good tight end, but I'm going to say, being that too he was young. a rookie, too young. We um, don't put rookies on the all, we, on the we, all we can't team. put on the all a rookie team. on the all-Joe team here, so we're going to cross uh, David out. Evan Moore, good receiving tight end, didn't have a real long career here with me in Cleveland, although he's one of my best friends. Uh, I'm going to say his blocking wasn't good enough to be considered the best. Of the, these tight ends. Man, we're getting uh, down to it here. So, so it looks like your final four here are Kellen Winslow, Gary Barnage, Jordan Cameron, and Ben Watson. So the best blocker in that group was Ben Watson. Ben has had an excellent career. Incredible, actually. Um, I think Kellen was probably a better pass catcher. And even Jordan Cameron was maybe a better better threat down the field yep. than Ben during the peak of their career. But I'm going to say the best overall tight end actually was Ben Watson. His ability to block, his ability to catch the ball. He's uh, he's a nice mix. He's a good mix. He's kind of what you want if you're going to only have one tight end. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if I had to have two tight ends, that's a good question. Maybe Kellen or Jordan because you could split them out a little bit. You could do the Jimmy Graham and, and give him that three, four-yard split from the tackle where he's just far enough out there where you can't really hit him with your defensive end, but he's close enough where it's a difficult matchup still for that safety. Um, so if I had to pick my next one, well, you're going to have to pick between either a third wide receiver or a yeah. second tight end. So let's hold so, off on right, that until we get through that. the wide receiver. All right, so so far we've got Duke at the running back, Joel, Mack, Greco, Schwartz on my interior, Ben Watson tight end, and then my receivers. I would say Braylon is going to be one of them. He had a terrific season my rookie year. I think he had 15 oh, touchdown man. catches or something. fired, bro. So All listen right, to some on. of these other wide receivers, though. He, he chose Braylon pretty quickly. There's Braylon Edwards, Andrew Hawkins. Of course. Josh Gordon. Joe Jerevicious, Josh Cribbs, Greg Little, Muhammad Massaqua, Travis Benjamin, Miles Austin, Terrell Pryor. So I feel like I should take over receivers for the Joe the all Joe team. Well, let me just give you mine quick and then you can <laughs> I don't give like where this is going. All right. So <laughs> he Braylon, quickly filled in Braylon Edwards. I'm gonna say Braylon, the one year he had was phenomenal. Big physical fast receiver, deep threat. I think he let the league in drops. But that's up to that you. That was the next year. Okay. Or maybe that was that year. But either way, I'm going Braylon. All My right. next guy is Gordon, obviously. The Josh next Gordon. guy is Josh Gordon. I know. Yeah, he's okay. your number two, apparently. Wow. Well, uh, if, if we're going to go too. like that, Josh is my one and Braylon's <laughs> okay. my two, okay? All then right. I'm going to say Hawk because I like your versatility in the slot. Right. If you're, we're doing the slot thing. You're the blue-collar type guy that we need in, in that room. You I know, agree. we need somebody that works hard in that room and studies film. Yeah. <laughs> so I got three receivers right now. Now what's left is Jervicious, Cribs, Greg Little, Massaqua, Travis Benjamin, Miles Austin, and Pryor. So we need a return guy. Nah, we don't. We don't have to return him anymore. The NFL doesn't have any returns <laughs> yeah, anymore. By they the have time the Joe Thomas, and that's it. Would he pick Cribs or would he pick there, Travis Benjamin? Honestly, no for a return team, I would probably pick Cribs, just because I think he was better with kickoff returns. And you do get a few kickoff returns when you play in Cleveland in the in the winter. Just a few. But the mo- most of the year, <laughs> all right, there you go. <laughs> uh, most of the year, they're they're touchbacks in today's NFL anyway. Now the Hawk versus these other guys is tricky because Miles is sort of your good possession receiver. Uh Juravicious was great as that number two slot guy that like you're you need mm-hmm. seven yards on third down, he's gonna go to seven yards, catch the ball and yes. fall down. Uh probably Joe had the best hands of anybody that I've ever played with. Joe was incredible. Juravicious. The so, tap the tap behind catch. That one was while he was getting his legs chopped off by that's, Troy Palomo. That was one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen. Yes. Um, so I'm actually going to go Jervicious. So you're going to cut guy. Hawk? No, no, Hawk's in there. No, I'm going to no, take no. four you're, receivers. No, you don't get no, your four two receivers. wide receivers were Braylon and Josh Gordon. I was so like a your 11th spot is either a backup tight end or a third wide or receiver. Or a third wide out. Oh boy, that's a tough one, man. I will say this: since '99, wait a second. Do you know who has the highest catch percentage of any Cleveland Browns wide receiver? <laughs> Since uh, they let came me guess, back. Andrew Hawkins. Since they, wh- whoa, you you picked me. I'm flattered. Do you want to know the right answer? Yeah, who's the right answer? Kenny Andrew, Andrew Hawkins. That is, that is 100% Go the right answer. Go Hawk yourself. Go, Joe Hawk yourself, exactly. Right. Uh, wait a second. Well, you're, so, you're probably missing on your list a left tackle, which was you, and we yeah. haven't done quarterback yet. we got to get a quarterback. But you, that 11th spot is either a tight end or a wide receiver. Yeah, so I'm I'm going with the receiver. So okay. that's why I'm going Braylon, Hawk, Gordon, and Jervicious. That's four, Joe. And a receiver. That oh, would be five. Come on. <laughs> wow, you're about to get fired as your own GM. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to laugh. You can't even feel the 11 man team. Dang, man, this is too hard. All Listen. right, let's go to quarterback. All right, go to my, quarterback. My quarterback is going to be Derek Anderson. 10 wins my rookie year. He won 10 and 5 as the starter. The guy can sling it. He's a smart player. He's played behind Cam Newton all these years. I think we could have a good offense with him. I think my 11-man Cleveland Brown team would kick your 11-man Cleveland Brown team's okay. ass. Let me just let me just uh, weed Anywhere this you want it. receiver issue down here a little bit. That might help you read it down, that comment. Hawk, you're cut. <laughs> Hawk, you're cut. We're going in with Jordan Cameron and two <laughs> tight end spots. Um, dang, man. All right, so you got Braylon Edwards and Josh Gordon as your one and two. You have Ben Watson as your tight end. Now we're going. It's it's third down. You're in eleven personnel, or you're in twelve personnel. What are you going to do? You can either send Hawk out in the field yeah. in the slot. I'm going to put Hawk out there. He's running an outside zone. 
He's not throwing the ball. It's Joe. I'm also an incredible blocker. No, yeah, you know why? But Jervicious was a really good blocker, too. Yeah, he was. But I'm going to give you the advantage because... I'm your co-host. Yeah, I you're like You're my it. co-host. <laughs> I like that. No, I think being a smaller, quicker player, you provide a better matchup problem for defenses because I've got... Braylon's a big guy. Josh is a big guy. Joe's a big guy. I think it's good to have a little bit of a matchup issue in the slot with a little guy, a little bit more quickness, some ability to take some different routes out there. Um, I think you get a little bit of a, a homer bias over Jervis. I'll take it. Ability to separate. All right, let's hear well, your Let's team. hear Hawk, who's worked team. in an NFL personnel yes. department. Let's hear Hawk's all-Joe team. All right, my all-Joe team should be – we'll start at the quarterback. I'm going with Hoyer the Destroyer. He's a Cleveland Great. guy. I'm going with Great a option. guy – who, who really wants the Browns to win more than just a paycheck. It, it just meant more to Hoyer, and I appreciated that. So I'm there he goes with going with the things that don't have any effect on playing You football. know what? Analytics, he likes it more. Analytics he wants don't, it more. Don't, don't say that, but he's 10-6 and six as a <laughs> Cleveland Browns starter. And Derek Anderson is 16-8 and eight as is he a really? Cleveland Browns starter. That's a good point. So if you want to go analytics, also <laughs> the decision is Hoyer. All right, so there we go. We got Hoyer at quarterback. At running back, I'm going to concur – uh, Duke Johnson at the running back. Yep. He's good decision. So he can do both. Um, left tackle. I'm going to go with Spencer. <laughs> Spencer Drango. Drango. Hey, what? No, okay. We so won that. just as many games last year. I like. I like the O line. I like Joe. I mean, it's basically my O line that I played with. So I was going to say that's that is the O line <laughs> that, that you played with. That's the 2014 <laughs> Browns offensive line. Think about how good that offensive line was. Yes, I look at it. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that those were all in the same. Now, and even the receiver core from that year. Taylor Gabriel's making $7 million a year. Travis Benjamin's making over $5 million a year. If Josh Gordon stays straight, he'll make over $10 million a year. I'm making a million a million dollars per episode here on the Tomahawk <laughs> Show. Miles Austin was like our second leading receiver. He had a great season. That was a good – even Willie Schneed got cut in camp, yeah. and he's about to make over $5 million yeah. a year. Ray Farmer was the GM that year. How about that I, offense I rem- that he put together? I remember together? the articles they would write about how bad our receiving core was that year. <laughs> Imagine that now. You couldn't have enough money in the salary cap to put that receiving core together. You wouldn't be able to, although Josh Gordon was suspended for 10 games that yes, year. So that, that probably didn't help. You know, I mean, I, I guess it is – same team. I would just sub out Braylon Edwards. You're, going, you're also going with Ben Watson at tight end, though. Um, yeah, I like Ben Watson at tight end. I like Ben Watson at tight end. Uh, no love for my guy, big play Gary. B- Gary was missed. Gary's a great play. tight end, Pro Bowl tight end. But I think when you add blocking and the length of their career, the body of work, Ben's had a better career than Gary. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Terrell Pryor and Josh Gordon. One and two in their primes as Cleveland Browns. Wow. I'm taking I'm taking TP over Braylon Edwards. Okay. And then your last receiver why, is going to be why, So hang on a second. Let's just go back to that quick. Why okay. Terrell over Braylon? Because the one year Terrell was in Cleveland mm-hmm. and then my rookie year when Braylon was here, the numbers don't even compare. It's because of the drops. Braylon had a lot of drops. Had a lot of drops. TP doesn't have nearly as many drops. And with – Josh Gordon on the team, TP won't need as many targets to be effective. So what you're saying is, I like John TP's Dorsey, please bring TP back to Cleveland. <laughs> John, if you're listening, which I know you are. Yeah, he's who, done everything we've asked him so far on this show. Because you've got Tyrod back. You've done all the things we've asked you to do. Make TP happen. <laughs> Give us TP. <laughs> all right. So Okay, so you want TP and Gordon. Yeah. And are you going to go with a third receiver or a second tight end? You know what? I am actually not going to go with myself. I'm going to put Miles Austin as our third option. Okay. He was a good option. He was right up there for me. Because he was Mr. Like, he was like the guy on third down, fourth down. Didn't he was matter. big moment Miles. That's big what we called Miles, him that year. He was, he was always making Until the he got his spleen tenderized by the yes. Buffalo Bills. Yes. But I would, I'm actually going to go with Miles as my third. That's, that's good. I mean, you can't argue with that, really. And he's a leader. He's more of a leader than I am. I don't know about that. I think Miles is a great guy, a great teammate, but I think you're a better leader. He was fun to be around. He was fun. He was, Everyone he was loved him. The There's Hawks. a reason yeah. he dated the Kardashians yeah. because he was a lot of fun. I don't even know if I'm going to even comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that, those are our all, all Joe teams. Yeah. Why don't what you do go we ahead and next? send in your tweets and hashtag Tomahawk yeah, at us. Let us know yeah, what you think of the all Joe team. There's hardly any difference in our jo- all Joe team, <laughs> it's really. like two people. So, Dan, you need to put that on Twitter. Uh, Terrell Pryor versus Braylon was like the Braylon. only change. And Hawk versus, and Hawk Miles, versus Miles. And, so, and Brian Hoyer versus DA. And, and Brian versus and DA. And salary cap, we can get TP for cheaper. Miles is the top pick. 
See, this like, is the true GM coming out right here. We would have traded that pick away. Oh, boy. Here we we would have went and got TP. <laughs> <laughs> then we'd be able to get some of those backups that we All talked right. about. Next topic, and I bet NFT. some of the fans might go with the Peyton Ryan Hillis. Tucker. Next topic. We don't All need right. to talk about Peyton Hillis today. You're right. All right, so Ty Lue. Ty Lue, uh, head coach of the Cavs, steps down um, to focus on his health, I think is the report. And this comes a week after there was kind of some turmoil going on um, with him and what are your thoughts on the fact that the head coach has to step away from a team in the middle of the season, in the middle of, middle of a playoff run? Do you think coaches are necessary? <laughs> are coaches necessary? Are coaches to this team. In the talk, NBA, no. I was going to say, specifically to the Cavs, yeah. like, I don't think people were like, man, it sucks. And obviously here at the Tomahawk, we're praying for Coach Lou. Hope, Absolutely. Hoping He's a great okay. guy. But – in the grand scheme of things, as it pertains to the Cavs, I don't think fans are like, "Oh no, our season is over." Like if Popovich goes down, I feel like that's a that's a real issue for the Spurs, right? And I think uh, Steve Kerr's situation will even show you that if you have the right team in place, they could still be very successful. Because I believe Steve Kerr was stepped away for a while as well. So, what, what are your thoughts on how this affects the Cavs' run so far this year? So, let's be honest about today's NBA right now. The best teams in the NBA run an offense where you give the ball to your best player and he goes one-on-one and either scores or dishes. There's not a lot of triangle offense. There's not a lot of offensive sets that you're putting together. There's not as much strategy as there used to be. It's much more about who your star players are and giving them the ball and letting them create for the rest of the team. So I'm going to say outside of Popovich in the NBA – for the most part, the other coaches are the ones that make sure the schedule is printed off and sent to everybody's iPhones so that they show up to the meetings and they show up to the game on time. Right. They're, they're not as crucial as they used to be in the NBA and certainly not even close to as important as coaches that are in the NFL are. You know what? I think you're right, especially as it pertains to the Cavs because it just feels like LeBron is the coach. That's how it's like. He's yeah. like one of those guys who coaches <laughs> on the, the coach. field. I mean, honestly, he's like what you want in a, in a in a floor general. Like I remember sitting, like my first time sitting close to the court, which doesn't happen often because I don't have as much money as Joe, <laughs> Mister 122 million. Um, but when I did sit down, like to watch him, like kind of direct everybody around, it had like yeah. the feel of a he's quarterback, coach. like coaching people through it and yeah. getting them lined up. He's a coach. There's no doubt. I think he's the most critical person on that team, and nobody's going to argue that. Yeah. All right. and, and so we, we feel bad. Ty Lue, he's a good coach. He won a championship for the Cavs. He's done a great job. He's managed the team and the players, which is like the most important job when you're dealing with a bunch of superstars, when you're dealing with a LeBron-driven team. You need a coach that makes sure everybody's getting along, everybody's showing up on time, everybody's cooperating the way LeBron wants the offense to flow through him. But that's the most important job, and I don't think it is the end of the world when a coach in that situation – is not able to be there for games. Like like you mentioned, Steve Kerr. Right. You think Steph Curry is not going to be able to drain threes all over the court if <laughs> Steph Curry, or if uh, Steve bros. Kerr is not sitting on the bench or not? Right. I, I really don't feel that uh, he is that crucial to the success of that team. Yeah, and Steve Kerr always hands a clipboard to his players to coach anyway. So yeah, that's right. They're used to that's it. That's right. All right, we got a couple quick – got to get some hit, quick hit NFL news. Jets trade up to the third overall pick. They trade a sixth overall. They – they got they traded two second rounders this year and a second rounder next year to move up to number three. Who got the better of the trade? Who did they trade with? The Colts. Colts. And does it set the Browns up? So it's interesting. So the Jets clearly want to take a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Because they feel essentially that there's three quarterbacks that are worth taking in this draft. So they wanted to put themselves in position to take whatever quarterback fell. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have all three of those guys the same draft rating, and yeah. so they're going to take whoever falls to them. Or they might have one guy that they really love, and they're going to want to trade up to try to get him, whether yeah. that's one or two. So to give up three second-round picks is a steep price, especially with a team that just signed Teddy Bridgewater, re-signed Josh McCown, and doesn't have a lot of pieces on that team around a quarterback. Yeah. you can. I can make an argument that, if you're just missing the quarterback and you've got a lot of good pieces around that are going to be there for a while, then you can give up a huge bounty to move up to try to get a player. But I'm never a fan of moving up just a couple spots and giving up three second rounders to pick 
whatever quarterback somebody else doesn't like. The wild card is the Giants at two because they could go quarterback or they can go Saquon. Yeah, clearly they're going to get a quarterback soon because Eli's probably on the last year of his of his career. So what what would you think if the Browns traded back to three? Like what if they were like, yo, we want Sam Darnold, and the Browns are like, well, we want Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So why don't we trade you the one just in case the Giants go for Sam Darnold? We make out like a fat cat, and then mm-hmm. we get picks three and four back-to-back to get the two guys that we want. So all the discussions around the draft center around, do you have a favorite quarterback? If the Browns love Sam Darnold, you got to stay at number one and take him. Right. But if you love Baker Mayfield, or if you think all three of those guys could fit in your system, could be good quarterbacks, and you kind of have them equally rated, then you just try to trade back to three to make sure you get one of them. But you're able to pick up an extra first rounder or maybe – a couple second rounders in a first round and, and get a bunch of extra picks that you can package together and then move up later in the draft to get guys that you've clearly identified as better than the rest of the guys around him. So we've got the 33rd and like another couple other picks early in the second round. If we wanted to trade back to three and then package some of those high second round picks to move back up high into the first round, yeah. so you'd end up getting like three, four, and 15, mm-hmm. you're going to probably be a lot better off than if you just sit at one and take a guy that you think is just as good as the other two guys and right. four, and then those couple picks in the uh, second round. Yeah. So it all depends on where you see those quarterbacks. How about you? Yeah, no, I I think you're right, man. I don't I don't I think it's unlikely that a team is going to say, hey, I think all three quarterbacks are the same. Like you go through this process, one is going to rise to the top that you think, oh, this is my guy. I don't really like this guy. I like that guy better. And if that's the case, you got to pick him at number one. But there is an outside chance that you might see the guys differently. Everyone thinks Sam Darnold is the safe pick, and then I've also heard that Baker Mayfield is the guy. So if you feel like your Baker Mayfield is your guy, and you don't think the Giants are taking him at two, I think it's worth it to be honest. Or you could even. The Browns are in a good position to kind of figure this out. I don't really know how this stuff works, but if they are, <laughs> you it's worked like in the front office. The Browns could call the Giants and call the New York Jets and say, "Hey, this is our. You know, we're either going to trade this pick to the Giants or to the Jets. You have the opportunity to move up to one, and we can mortgage this, 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 and this. Certainly, if, if their guy is somebody different than they think that those two are going to pick. Certainly, John Dorsey is sitting in an enviable position because he's sitting there and. He can start playing those teams that are behind him, playing right. them against each other, right? Yep. Hey, well, we're going to trade this to the Jets if uh, you don't move up here. Oh, and they're going to leapfrog you. Or, well, hey, we're going to trade this to, you know, name the team that needs a quarterback that's right. sitting behind us. So uh, clearly they're in a good position, and it depends on what somebody offers them. Yeah. Three and three and four, I mean, one and four is an incredible position. I Browns fans don't want to hear about trading picks anymore. Yeah, they, they hate hearing they're that. But that. honestly, when you look at the draft through time, trading back – traditionally has been the right decision as a whole. Yes. For the most part, teams that have traded up as a whole have usually ended up worse off than the teams that have traded back. Now, of course, there's exceptions, like when the Browns traded out and the the Atlanta Falcons got Julio Jones. Uh-huh. Of course, when um, the Browns traded with the Eagles and they got Carson Wentz, you would say that the Eagles you know, got the better of that bargain because yep. Carson's turned into a good quarterback. But – the Browns have traded back, and they might turn this pick uh, this year into a great quarterback. And then five years from now, we can say, look at all these great players we got from that. So uh, some of those picks are yet to be determined how good yeah, they were. Time. And some of those trades, how, how good they actually are going to be. Right, yeah, it takes time. So uh, my question is, though, the Jets, why would you sign t- Teddy Bridgewater and Josh McCown if you're going to draft a quarterback this year. You hedge your bet, man. We're going to come out of here with a quarterback. Because jo- <laughs> it's like this. If, if you think Josh McCown is your backup, he's the highest paid backup in the league, and he should be because he's a guy that can go in there and win Ten games million a year? Yes. He would, that, that would make him the highest paid backup um, if that's how you view him. So he's like your insurance policy. Besides the fact he's going to get your guys ready, and he has no ego for that. So if you draft a young guy, he's going to get that young guy ready. You'll probably honestly ask him to be your quarterback coach if he decides to retire next year, the year after that, whatever that looks like. So you pay him. Teddy Bridgewater is your wild card. He's a first-round talent that you take a, a flyer on. If his knee is good, then you make out. You can either have some uh, some assets to trade off next year if you end up drafting a young guy in this draft and he has a year to kind of bridge. You build up his trade value, and then you go get some of those picks that you traded away to move up. You go get him back with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. If not, you have the salary cap anyway. You have to spend 90% of it. All's, all's well that ends well. If he's if his knee is bad, Josh is your guy until the other guy is ready. 
And then you get your guy of the future that you're putting all your, your eggs into. And that's the Sam Donalds, the Baker Mayfields, the Josh Rosens, whatever that looks like. I think this just highlights the importance of having the importance of having a great quarterback in the NFL. Right. And these teams realize that if they don't have a quarterback, they don't have a chance and they're on a clock to get fired. Yes. So as a coach or GM, as soon as you don't have a quarterback, you got two years to figure things out or you're gonna get fired. So they'd rather have two or three guys that they think could be the guy than have one guy and put all their eggs in that basket. Name of the game. All right, all right. Here we go. I, we didn't get to get to my favorite topic, which is the Ravens nullifying Let's a free do it. agent signing. But no, we're gonna we're gonna pass it. We're we're low on time here, so we got to go Q and A. Dan, what do we got in the Q and A section? Q and A. Who is a defensive player you faced in your career who was overlooked and never got the credit he deserved? Me. Both of you. <laughs> you both played offense, so you both went against defense. You got players. somebody that you're thinking of, Hawk? Um. I feel like Chris Harris, the corner from the Broncos. I mean, he's respected. But Dude, I don't he's think, been a Pro Bowl player. I know, but I don't like. He's never put in that category of like the best corner in the league, and I feel like he should be. He's a guy I got a lot of respect for. He holds a lot, but in this day and age, but he doesn't get called. But for he it. doesn't get called, so it, it's like great corner play. I, <laughs> I, I feel like people should give yeah. him more respect than they give him. That's a good one. I know there's other guys out there, but the guy that hits me on the top of my head, um, literally. Is, Lorenzo Alexander. You guys probably oh, yeah. don't even know who that is. Of course I know who Lorenzo is. So, you love him because he's a converted O-lineman. Yeah, he was an O-lineman, <laughs> so there is some love for there. Uh, I like him because he was a great special teams player at like uh-huh. 285. Nobody ever heard of him. All of a sudden he goes to Buffalo, they let him rush the quarterback, and he's got like 10 or 12 sacks in yeah. a season. And like pretty good legitimate sacks, not ones where the quarterback's running around and he runs into you. Yeah. Like these are actually I beat my man and I sacked the quarterback sacks. So I think he's a guy that I think of off the top of my head that's probably the best defensive player that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. Made a Pro Bowl too. He's a, he's good and he's a smart guy. He's a smart, smart guy. guy. He's a good dude. Well, it's because he was an offensive lineman. Yeah. All offensive linemen are smart. We're all smart. Duh. Smart right, asses. I don't know about smart. <laughs> What else we got, Dan? What's the next this one, one was for Joe. How much did the success of the podcast have to do with your retirement? <laughs> I don't know if that's serious or not. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, know, why, I don't know why success? you're laughing. If you're measuring success so by li- sponsors, uh, we have none. <laughs> if you're measuring success by ratings, we are number one on iTunes. Yes. Just saying, five-star rate. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> the podcast is something that has been fun. I don't know what type of a future we have. I hope we get to continue, but uh, without any sponsors, I'm not sure that Uninterrupted is going to allow us to keep using <laughs> their name and, and drag it through the mud like we are. Uh, so we'll see, but um, I hope we get to continue this. It's It's been a lot of fun. I hope now, especially since I've decided to retire from football, this is something that we can do year-round, but time will tell. The Tomahawk Show, even if we never put it on the airwaves, I think it will continue in perpetuity. Even if we just call each other and record it and then just log it away because what it does. And you talk about in your retirement speech, the thing that you miss most when you lead the league is that locker room. And Mm -hmm. this is like, for me as a guy who's been out for a year now, this has been like the closest thing to that for me. So this is my locker room. This is your locker room. This This is is my fix. This is it. So regardless, Tomahawk will be a part of my lives. I don't know if we'll be. We'll bless the rest of you guys with this for the rest of your <laughs> lives. But we'll see. I don't see why not. It's the best podcast in history. That's true. And one last one. It was also for Joe. Sorry, Hawk. Okay. It was, it was oh, Joe, okay. It was Joe's week. Going. Let me get out of here. Wow, how about that? Joe, Bye. do you Disrespect. feel like you missed out by not announcing your retirement on a fishing boat? That's a great question. Oh, wow. Actually, when I decided finally that I was ready to retire a couple of weeks ago, I thought, how am I going to do it, right? So obviously the team's going to ask me to make – a press conference and make a big announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do it the right way. And I came into the NFL fishing and a lot of the people close to me that knew I was retiring said, Hey, why don't you do it on a fishing boat? Right. <laughs> you want to go out of the NFL the same way that you went into the NFL. But then I thought, you know, what? that's kind of corny. The reason I was fishing on draft day with my dad is because I kind of wanted to shun New York. I didn't want to be a part of that spectacle. Yeah. And you would never think so, to shun Cleveland. So if I decided to announce my retirement on a fishing boat, it would be for the opposite reason that I decided to go fishing when I came into the NFL. And I thought that was not me. It just didn't feel right, even though I love fishing. You it went. just felt like I would have been doing that for show and for 
publicity, and that's yeah. not why I did it the first time. You should have went to Radio City Music Hall. Gone <laughs> <The laughs> on stage. And walked across the stage <laughs> for your retirement. <laughs> no, that that would have been good. That would have been amazing. That would have been good. Where were you when we were planning Sorry, retirement you, stuff? You didn't get me in on it quick enough. Well, speaking of fishing, you got a gift from the Haslam's at your retirement. I, I don't did. know if everybody knows about it. Why that was pretty cool. That? So on re- my retirement day, the day I announced my retirement and had my press conference, the Haslam's gave me an awesome fishing pole, a Browns fishing pole, <laughs> which was pretty cool. And they gave me a fishing vest, like, you know, those corny little fly fisher vests yeah. that you see people wearing in the Orvis commercials? 6X. Uh, 6X with my name and number on it, which was really cool, and the Browns logo. Uh, and they gave me a fishing tackle box with my name and the Browns logo. So a couple things that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. I love pretty it, Pretty special. Man. I love it. Well, that does it for today's Tomahawk Show, man. We're in on that note. Again, appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in, as always, making us the number one podcast in the world, which we already knew in our hearts, but now it's official uh, because Tomahawk's analytics uh, approved of it. So make sure you subscribe anywhere that podcasts are available. Rate us five stars. Continue our trend upwards. Tell all your friends about it. We appreciate you joining us as always. Final thoughts, Joe? Yeah, my final thought is it's been a good run. Mm. It's been real. It's been fun. But it hasn't been real fun? Or has it? <laughs> this is the, this is the official a media-driven podcast now that we now have no <laughs> players on it. So hopefully that doesn't hurt our trajectory. Dan, take us out like we always do. I feel bad about not having a lot of Q&A for you, Hawks. So I think you should take us out right oh, now. Oh, I like that. Well, because you didn't pick any questions that were directed at me, Dan, Joe Hawk yourself.